Amen. Anybody ever feel like that? (laughs) The song says there's victory, right? We can have victory. It's through Jesus Christ. And I want to talk this morning. I've I've been asked this question. I've even asked myself this question. Man, if I'm really saved, why do I keep doing this? Or why do I keep going back to that sin? So you'll know if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know that following Christ is not easy. Amen? It's probably the, it is the hardest life you will live. There's times, amen, when you are walking with Christ where everything's going right. You're in your word every day. You're praying. You're seeking God. God's answering your prayers. You're seeing miracles happen, maybe in your finances. Maybe for someone that you've been praying for, a lost, uh, someone, maybe a, a loved one or a, an adult child that's walked away from the Lord. Maybe you see God getting a hold of their life, and this is when you're filled with joy because you're on like that mountaintop with the Lord. Amen. Praise God for those times. Then... There's going to be days, weeks, months, maybe years, hopefully not years, where you're failing miserably. Maybe you keep falling into sin. Maybe you succumb to your temptations. Maybe you just ended up saying, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm going to quit reading my Bible. I'm going to quit praying because nothing's working. Or maybe God's not answering your prayers yet or the way you wanted him to. Maybe we're focused on our own agenda, our own life. And it seems like nothing else is working in our lives. Maybe your marriage is failing. That happens. Maybe you were hurt by someone you love or taken advantage of by a church that said they represented Christ. I've been there. I want you to know you're not alone. This book, the Bible's chock full of people who have gone through many difficulties, yet have overcome them, right? It's filled with flawed individuals like myself, and probably if we're all honest, all of us here today, right? It's filled with flawed individuals, but God chose to use them despite their failures, amen? He, he chose to use people who could no way, in no way claim glory for themselves because they're sinful, right? That's what the title of the sermon is, Saint. I'm a Christian, But gosh, I am still sinful. I need your help, Lord. God used people who didn't live perfect lives. We can see this here. He used people who decided to follow a perfect God. Amen? You can overcome. If we look in Scripture, we see Daniel. He overcame fear in the lion's den. How many of you have been afraid? A lot of us, right? Job overcame grief and sudden loss. Moses overcame evil, tyrannical leaders. He also overcame doubt. Elijah overcame depression. The three Hebrew boys overcame the fiery furnace and persecution. And David overcame moral failure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that this book is not irrelevant, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you have shown us, you have, you have given us your word, and it's real and it's raw. It doesn't hide the fact that you use people like us who still sin, Father. And Lord, I want to thank you that through Jesus, we can overcome everything like he did. Sin, death, the grave, and hell. 
Lord, I pray that we would shift our eyes to you, Lord, every single day, not just in this time, this morning, but Father God, that our lives, our focus will be to live to please you in everything we do. Father God, bless our time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So through an active relationship with Jesus Christ, you can overcome your obstacles, you can overcome your sins, you can overcome anything that the devil tries to throw your way, all right? So we know that the Bible is not a book of fairy tales. This is truth. Amen? Do you guys believe that this morning? Amen. I do too. So if we look at it and we, we, we can observe that it's not irrelevant. Some people like to say, oh, the Bible is thousands of years old. It's not relevant to our time today. But I want to look at somebody, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. He said, I am the chief of sinners. Right? So that kind of gives me some hope this morning. So point number one, the struggle is real. You know, the Bible's more relatable than what we think. Let's, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans 7, and we're going to read 14 through 25. And in this, time, in this passage, Paul is explaining his internal with sin. Let's, let's read. The conflict of serving two masters. For we know that the law is spiritual... But I am fleshly, sold into bondage of sin. For I do not understand what I am doing. For I am not practicing what I want to do. Please follow me because this gets a little confusing. For I am not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. However, if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law that the law is good. But now... No longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil thing that I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then... The principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner person, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. The law which is in my body's body's parts. Wretched man that I am. This guy's in anguish writing this. Who will set me free from the body of this death? He's saying, gosh, I don't want to be a sinner. I don't, want to dis- I don't want to displease God. I don't want to disobey God. But then he says, this is his victory. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So this text, actually Romans chapter 6 through chapter 8 um, this is the portion of Paul's letter to the, the Christians in Rome about a process called sanctification. So we know that salvation is a three-part process. When you come to belief in Jesus Christ, you're what's called justified. Anybody familiar with this? This means that your sin is completely wiped out, past, present, and future. And if you died at this point, you are made right with the Lord and you will make heaven your home. Amen? Totally undeserving by God's grace. Amen. Now, it doesn't stop there. It's not just, hey, you're made right. Now go and live whatever way you want. Hey, you said a sinner's prayer. You said this, these words, and now you're saved. That's not what brings about salvation. Okay? The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart 
that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That is how you be saved. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. But then the next process after just, or justification is called sanctification. This is a lifelong process. From the moment we get saved, we uh, come to Christ until the minute we take our last breath. We're in a process called sanctification. That's where the struggle is, right? We are continuously being made holy, right? So the Bible says to put off the old man, right? To, not, to put away the former things of this world. Hey, I used to be this way. I used to do that. Now I no longer do that, right? But sometimes that old habits like to sneak in. Anybody? Or is it just me? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So that's the process of, of sanctification. That is where we are at today, okay? So then there's the third and final part of salvation is what's called glorification. This is when we stand in front of God and we receive our new bodies and we are made perfect. And we will live forever with him, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? So, but even though we're, we're now saved, we're considered righteous in God's eyes, we've got this struggle. It's like this holiness you know, the spirit is trying to pull us this way. Hey, come, I'm trying to make you holy. And then the flesh is on this side. No, no, no. Come here, Nate. Let's go. These are your habits. These are your addictions, right? We desire to live holy and blameless lives. When you are made righteous, that is our new desire. We get new desires, right? So we desire to live that, live that way, live blameless, live holy, live righteous, but sometimes, unfortunately, we can fall back into our sin. I want you to be aware that when you become a Christian, it's not just this nonchalant thing like, okay, I got my Bible, I get to come to church, I get to dress nice, I get to do this. No, you entered into the battle. So if you became a Christian thinking that your life would be easier when you placed your faith in Christ, I am sorry to tell you that is not true. I don't want to depress you guys this morning, but you know what? You have a red target on your back now. The enemy is out there like a roaring lion trying to seek who he can devour. He tries to tempt us, right? And if we fall into that sin, he tries to shame us. And then he tries to say, oh, no, you disobeyed God. That's the last place you need to be running to, which is a lie. So living as a Christian is the hardest thing you will ever do. It's the hardest thing I will ever do, but the rewards are great. They're eternal rewards. Yes, in this life you will experience the peace of God. In the midst of chaos, you will experience the joy of, of being a Christian, the joy of redemption, the joy of a fullness of life in Jesus Christ. You will experience that on this earth. There are benefits to living in the kingdom of God on this earth, but it's also for eternity. Amen. But living for yourself is easy. It's the easy way. You could do whatever you want with no consequences. Satan already has control over you when you are not following Christ. It's hard to say, but it's the truth. He doesn't have to spend his time tempting you to sin. You're doing a good job of that yourself, right? Let's be honest. When you're living for yourself, when we're not following Christ, before we come to Christ, man, he, we are not a threat to the kingdom of darkness. We are not. But once you become a Christian, that's when he's like, oh, Josh gave his life to Christ? Charlie wanted to stop sinning and he wanted to follow God? Trenton? Nah, Maya. 
right? Then he ramps up his attack on us. When we become a Christian, it's like we become aware of our sin, and we should. And I am so grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we are a Christian because he wants to bring us to repentance. He doesn't want us to live in bondage any longer. He wants us to live a victorious life in Christ. Amen. So now there's an internal struggle in our lives when we become Christians. We have two natures warring against each other. We have the flesh, our flesh, and then the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh, the natural desires, is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing what you want. So this passage tells us that our flesh opposes the spirit that's within us. And it leads us, the believer, sometimes towards sinful actions and behaviors. Anybody relate to this? Yeah? Okay. Have any of you ever said what Paul says? Man, I know the right thing to do. I want to do the right thing. But I keep failing. Paul doesn't excuse his sin. Now, this sermon is not a license to sin. I'm not telling you guys, yeah, go do whatever you want. No, I'm not. All I want us to see is we, are, we need to be aware of our sin. And where do we go with that sin? Do we, run towards, do we run away from God or towards him? I've said this. Man, I want to live right. But I can't. My thoughts, my actions, my words, my speech, everything about me sometimes when I'm not walking in God's spirit, is bad, all right? So I was talking to my wife the other day. She had left a women's Bible study, and she was like, man, when you're in church, like this morning, right? Man, this worship service was awesome. I could have gone all day instead of hearing me preach. Let's just worship God, right? You know, but she was telling me, like, when when you're at church, when you're around the people of God, when you are in your word, when you're praying, you get the best intentions to be spiritual, Like, man, I'm going to go home and I'm going to rock this. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to be a witness to Christ. I'm going to go to school. And then what happens when you get home? What happens when the realities of life set in? We start living in our flesh again if we're not walking in God's spirit. They say old habits die hard. There are all kinds of things we could be doing when we're not around the people of God. And when we're not in the word of God, amen? This internal battle can be won, though. I don't want to say, oh, you know what? Just live in defeat, guys. You're going to sin because you're human. No, we can be victorious over sin. Remember, we're at war now. There are going to be some battles that we lose, some battles that we win, amen? But the war has already been won for our soul, amen? And you can be victorious in the battle against your flesh, The Bible says we're to have a renewing of our mind, and that's my point number two. We need to renew our mind. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So our default mode in life is usually to fill our time with things. Unfortunately, the things we choose, I don't have my cell phone with me, it's usually the cell phone. 
social media or TV, right? These are things that are not necessarily wrong in itself. I'm not saying that social media is a sin. I'm not saying phones a sin. But what I'm saying is we spend our time, we, we say we have no time to pray. Well, what about 20 minutes, uh, the 20 minutes we spent looking for the perfect emoji to, to send, right? You know, we say that we don't have time and we just fill our time with things that are not conducive to a growing relationship with God. And the majority of our days, if you don't live under a rock, are, you're exposed to ungodly influences. They say uh, the average person is a, a, awake 16 hours a day. So in that 16 hours a day, usually I work 8 to 10 hours a day, right? And maybe we're driving to work, we got the radio on. What kind of influence are we listening to on the radio, right? And then maybe when we get home, what are we filling our time with? Maybe it's movies or TV that we're watching that is ungodly. I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm not here to put any guilt upon you. I just want us to get us to think, right? Because the things that we surround ourselves with, the things that we fill our mind with, and the things that go into our ears, the things that our eyes see— those influence us. And then in turn, we become what we are surrounded by. You guys following? These ungodly influences shape our thinking, which then turns into action, which could lead to sin. I get it. Life is hard, and we want to fill ourselves. We just want to distract us. We just want to be distracted through cell phones, social media, sports, entertainment, you name it, food, all kinds of things. It's easy to neglect spending time in God's Word. And talking to him. But I want to ask you a question. I want to submit something to you this morning. What if we reprioritize our days? Personal example. This week, uh, my kids started school. We were trying to homeschool them, but with three, three older kids and then a newborn, it's, it's, we couldn't do it. So we put them back in school, and I decided, you know what? I want to be like a dad that wakes up and prays with my kids. I want to be the dad that uh, makes them breakfast in the morning, that gets them ready to go to school. I want to be involved in their mornings, right? But before that, before I could give anything to my children, before I could impart anything to my family, I need to have God, my father, impart into me, right? So I decided this week, I should be doing this a long time ago, confession. I don't do it sometimes. I'm just a normal human being, right? I don't, I don't have God prioritized in my life sometimes. But I started this week to wake up in the morning and just sit, make my coffee, open the blinds, look outside, see God's handiwork. Amen? I saw this cool sun uh, sunrise the other day, by the way. But anyways, I was just reading God's word, praying seeking him. It allowed me to choose joy. I have not had joy in my life for I don't know how long, you know, but I decided, you know, my kids would tell me or tell their, tell their mom, hey, why does dad never smile? Well, it's because I'm tired. I never sleep. I haven't had a good night's sleep since 2013 when my first baby was born, <laughs> for real. So that's the first reason, you know, and then just the, the weight of everything on my life, on my shoulders, has gotten me to the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm just surviving, you know. But this week I was able to choose joy, amen. I prioritize my mornings. What if we woke up in the morning and sought God? 
sought the Lord and sat in his presence? What if instead of at night binging Netflix, we meditated on God's word? How different would our lives look? I can tell you this week was tremendous. It was fulfilling and I was happy, amen, because I was in God's word. Sometimes, you know, talk about Netflix for a second. I just want to vegetate, my wife and I, we call it that. We just don't want to do anything. Our minds, we just want to shut it off, whatever's on the screen, and we'll just watch that till we fall asleep, like zombies. That is not conducive to a, grow, a growing lifestyle in the Lord. And when I don't prioritize God in my life, seeking Him, I notice my temptations begin to flare up. I notice my thoughts, oh no, they're kind of getting a little wicked. It's harder to flee temptation. It's harder to run from sin at that point when you are not walking in God's spirit. King David had this practice in his life. If we we want to turn to Psalm 63 real quick. Let's look at what he did. He was called a man after God's own heart, all right? So Psalm 63, he says, Oh God, this is the New King James Version. It'll be a little different than the uh, NASB. I just love this translation. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. He started searching for God. That's number one. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. He worships and he honors God. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. He's grateful and he's submissive. These are things that he practiced in his life to be, to be called a man after God's own heart. All right, then he says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. He is content in the Lord. He's not looking for anything else to fill him. He's not looking for anything that can, uh, that can give him joy, happiness, and peace. It's coming from God himself, a relationship with him. And then he says, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. He talks to his God, amen. When I I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches. He waits in anticipation to hear from the Lord. Because you have been my help, God, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. He delights in the word of God and he remembers how God moved in his life in his, in his past. My soul, he says, follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. He trusts that God will guide his future. Because God is faithful, amen. But those who seek my life, he says, to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. David leaves his enemies to God. He does not slander them. He does not gossip them. He doesn't try to take revenge on them. He doesn't look at them and let them consume his mind, his mentality. And man, David was a man of many failures. We can go through it through his whole rap sheet of all the stuff he's done wrong, all the sins that he, was, uh, a fail, uh, that he failed at, being, uh, at, at, uh, at honoring God, right? He failed miserably. But he knew when he did fail that he could always run back to God. He knew God was the only one who can sustain him. He knew God was the only one who could uplift him, who could encourage him. And he knew God was the only one who can forgive him. He knew spending time with God was the answer. Folks, I don't know if you realize this, 
But we were created to be in fellowship with God. And sin robbed us from that experience. Sin took us away from God because God is a holy God and he cannot have any association with sinners. That is why he came, Jesus Christ in the flesh came to die on the cross so we can be forgiven, so he can restore a right relationship to us so we can have community with him. Amen. We need to get back to seeking his counsel. We need to seek God in the morning. Our souls long for it, you guys. We need to get back in the presence of the Lord, not just on Sunday morning, not just on a Tuesday night for you teenagers or, or women uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning or men Saturday mornings. It is not just the time that the church doors are open. We are the church, amen, those who have Christ in us. We are the church, right? We should be as the church seeking God daily. When you make this a daily practice, you'll begin to see that your spirit will be strengthened. And you will begin to experience victory over your Amen. So how can our minds be renewed quickly? There's three things. This might sound cliche, elementary, or like, hey, that doesn't work. That's just the Christian buzzwords. Say, just read your Bible, pray, do this, do that. You know, no, this is reality, okay? So our minds can be renewed by going to God's word, studying it. We saturate ourselves in it. Our mind will begin to focus on the things of God, amen, not the things of this world. Our focus, our vision is not to satisfy our fleshly desires no longer. It is to satisfy God. It is to live for him, to do his will, amen. When you saturate that, you become what you surround yourself, amen. Guess what? Saturate yourself in the word of God, pray to him, and you will see wonders in your life. Joshua 1.8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. So after you saturate yourself in God's word, like David did, pray on it. Go to God in prayer, making your requests known to him. Ask him to show you what this word means. Sometimes this can be confusing. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, continuously seek him. Have an ongoing conversation with God throughout your day. How many of you guys, you spouses, text your wife or husband throughout the day? You have the same conversation, but it's three, four, five, six hours long, right? Talk to God like that. He wants to have a relationship with you. God knows our hearts. He already knows your needs. He knows that you need to be victorious over your sin. He knows that you're struggling with sin. But guess what? He wants to hear from you anyway. Tell him, God, I want to do your will like Paul says. I need you to help me live for, for you, God. I need you to help me live a pure life. I need you to help direct my steps. I need you. I need you. I need you. Jesus is everything. We need Jesus Christ, you guys. We don't need that Netflix show, that Amazon Prime show. We don't need that package that comes in the mail to fulfill us or sustain us. The only thing we need to fulfill us and sustain us and to live victoriously as a Christian in this chaotic, sinful world is Jesus Christ. The next way to renew your mind is being around godly people. These people can hold you accountable. They can lift, uplift you. They can weep when you weep. They can be joyful when you're joyful. They can celebrate with you 
right? They're there with you. They're on the front lines in that spiritual battle, that spiritual war with you. Don't isolate yourself. Godly people can be there when you're down as well, when you've failed. The people in the kingdom of God are here for you. Hebrews 10.25, not abandoning our own meeting together. Hey, come to church. Even if you don't feel like it, that's the time you need to be here. Be around the people of God. Go to a life group, right? As is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you say, see the day approaching. As you do these things, the Holy Spirit will be at work. And renewing your mind is only by the work of the Holy Spirit, but it comes through those three things. Reading your Bible, praying, and seeking God. So, lastly, walking in the Spirit. There was a benefit to Jesus' ascension when he left his disciples. He was there. He was here on earth for about 33 years, okay? He started his public ministry when he was 30, around 30 years old, and he was in ministry for about three years until his death, his uh, burial, his resurrection. And then I believe it was about 40 days after he, um, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. There was a benefit of Jesus Christ leaving because he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He convicts us of our sin for sure, but he's our comforter. He does so many different things, and we have that. When we are justified, when we are made right with God, the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? That's why the, the flesh and the spirit are at war. You have that, right? Does that make sense now? I love how one pastor put it. To walk by the Spirit is to discover God's view on a matter. Hey, what does God think of this? To decide to act on that divine perspective and then depend on the Holy Spirit to empower our obedience. Galatians 5.16. Read this with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So Paul encourages Christians, hey, walk in freedom. Walk in victory over sin, but you can only do that by walking in the Spirit. That is existing to please God rather than yourself. Your natural desires, my natural desires, our flesh are not pleasing to God. Are they? No, right? No, they're not. Okay? This is why it says put to death your fleshly desires. Carrying out our fleshly desires can be defined as this. Hey, I'm going to live to please myself rather than God. You can fill in whatever it is that you struggle with. Excuse me. When the Bible talks about our walk with God, it's not talking about physically walking with God and there he is. It's talking about our conduct, our lifestyle, how we live. Carrying out the works of the flesh is living life based on sinful human viewpoints. But if you notice, walking in the Spirit doesn't mean we're inactive. We're not robots. We're not controlled by something. We're to be active in the process of walking in the Spirit. And like I told you, reading, praying, seeking God. We're responsible for our actions. We're responsible for our sins, guys. Again, this is not license to sin. I'm not saying... Go do whatever you want. 
Paul's not saying that. The word of God definitely doesn't say that. But when we walk in the, uh, when we're active and walking in the spirit, it's like, you guys ever been in an airport? They got those, um, those walkways that move for you like a treadmill almost, right? And it goes, you're going faster and faster. I had this little kid when I went to Texas a couple months ago. He was like, dude, I'll race you. And he was on, he was just running. I don't have that kind of energy. I'm, I'm too old, right? But he was running. And so I started running on that thing. And I just went like super, or like the flash, like, because why? The power of that electricity was moving me forward, right? That is like walking in the spirit. The spirit gives us the power and the ability to override the desires of our flesh, helping us to overcome temptation. So quickly, what are the works of the flesh? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are Let's look, let's examine ourselves if this is any of us. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife. Anyone jealous? Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these things. Paul didn't leave, leave just an exhaustive list. There's so many more works of the flesh or deeds of the flesh that we can put in there. He says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's how you know you're not walking in the spirit. Examine yourself. Are these things evident in my life? Maybe you begin to act on your impure thoughts. Maybe you begin to entertain them. Your actions are no longer right. You become self-seeking. We can go on and on. But if you're walking by the Spirit, there's going to be certain qualities about you that are going to be visible to you and to those around you. Galatians 5.22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, repeat with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So clearly the, these works of the flesh are in direct opposition and contrast to the fruits of the Spirit. When you begin to operate with a renewed mind, your lifestyle will change. Amen? Those around you will say, wow, so-and-so is saved. They're in their right mind. They've overcome their flesh. Amen? It will be evident to those around you that your heart was transformed. And when you live in step with the Holy Spirit... And live your life to please God instead of pleasing yourself. The Holy Spirit will definitely empower you to be victorious over your sin. Amen. The spiritual fruit will richly enhance the quality of your life. And it will benefit those around you. Amen. There's truly victory in Jesus, our Savior forever. So a couple last words. I want to qualify this whole sermon Again, I said it two or three times, but Paul is not giving us license to sin, nor does he excuse his own sin, and neither should we. When we do sin, we must run to God. Some people that claim to be Christians, they say, oh, well, I could just keep sinning so that grace may abound. Paul addressed that prior to our verses here in Romans. That's absurd, you guys. When you come to Christ... You are aware of your sin and you realize, wow, my sin is so heavy, so wicked, so vile. It was so bad that it removed me forever if I do not repent of my sins from God's presence. 
I will be eternally separated in hell if I do not change my ways, if I do not come to Christ in repentance, if I do not accept that free gift. That's absurd. If you're a Christian, you know that your sin is wicked. I know my sin is wicked. And the closer how you know you're living right, how you're walking with the Lord, is when you're convicted with it, you're not just like, that's who I am, just being real. No. You know you're walking with the Lord when God says, Nate, you sinned. You know what? You're right, God. Repentance or confession means I'm agreeing with you, God. I'm not trying to act like I'm right. This is what these Christians were doing. And and Paul said, no, stop saying that. That's absurd. The person who is of a regenerated heart, meaning you're saved, you know this to be true. Amen. I'm not talking about willfully sinning here when I say saint, but still sinful. I'm talking about when you genuinely, authentically are striving to live for God and your flesh comes up. That's the sin I'm talking about this morning. God wants us to live holy lives and we should strive to live holy lives as well. So real quick, how do I know the voice of God versus the voice of Satan? So when we sin, we look in scripture, Jesus would tell people like, hey, you sin, right, I agree with you. But come to me, I am eager to forgive you. I want a relationship with you. But the devil, our enemy, our adversary, he goes and tells you, oh, you call yourself a Christian? You did this? You said that? You can't go to Christ? Are you serious? You hypocrite? He will never accept you. Don't you remember what you've done? See, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 says. Amen. God is not going to condemn you. He just wants you to come back to him. And he says, I'm here with open arms, ready to forgive you. I don't care what you've done. All I want you to do is to come back to me. A couple takeaways. When I struggle with sin, do I run to a vice Do I run to alcohol? Do I run to a relationship? Do I run to someone or something? Or do I run to the Lord? Secondly, what routine or habit in my life, how have I structured my life in a way that is blocking me from growing in the word of God, from growing in a relationship with God? Do I have something in my life, a routine or habit that I can change to spend more time with God? Maybe it's waking up early. Maybe it's removing the television from your room. Maybe it's putting your phone in another room. Maybe it's getting rid of a relationship that's not healthy or that's damaging to your life and others. Lastly, what are the works of the flesh that are evident in my life? And what are the fruits of the Spirit in my life? I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That is how you can be victorious over your sin. Amen. God bless you guys.